On Monday at the Hamilton PB Twilight Meet, the second annual New Balance Terminal Mile Cup Distance Medley Relay Challenge and Athletics Ontario DMR Championships will be taking place at the Mona Campbell Track on the grounds of McMaster University. As of right now, there's still time to sign up, and even if you're not racing, you'll definitely want to go for a night of fast racing on a track known for turning personal bests. Trust me, last year was a very special night, and I have a feeling that this year will be much the same. Now, to celebrate the DMR and its past in Canada, this week we're bringing you a look at the current leading mark, 9.2205. It was 10 years ago at the legendary pen relays that Canada fielded the team of Matt Lincoln, Tyler Christopher, Gary Reed, and Nate Brennan, and their mark still stands as the national record. Matt Lincoln joins us to talk about that race, his time in the sport, including a Francophone Games bronze medal, and moving into the role of coach. My name is Michael Rogus. You're listening to The Terminal Mile at The Terminal Mile on Instagram and Twitter, a Tracky Radio production. All right, 9.22.05, uh, run of the 2009 Penn Relays, Lincoln to Christopher to Reed to Brannon. Man, what a team. Ten years on, that record still stands uh, as the national record. Uh, is, is that surprising to you, you know, 10, 10 years later that 9.22.05 still stands? Uh, I, yes and no. Uh, when I kind I remember seeing that team and thinking to myself, man, like three Canadian record holders are on this, and me, like I can't let them down, you know. But that team was so good. Um, you don't get that many opportunities to assemble a team like that. So part of me is not surprised, but then part of me, I mean, we've had some really good athletes since then. Ten years, you'd think along the way someone might have had a pretty good crack at it i mean yeah looking at that i mean like that that team is incredibly loaded you're yourself included how how did that even come about uh so penn relays for me since i went to penn state my coach was obsessed with penn relays like he used to say that he'd rather win another penn relays title than an olympic medal (laughs) um so it was kind of just like ingrained in me that Penn Relays was a big deal while I was there. Um, and so once I graduated, um, it was just always something that I wanted to, to do if Canada was sending a team. Um, like I wanted to be a part of it. I think I did it maybe six years in a row. Or so post-collegiate, and it was just a matter of who, who was going to be running that year. Um, I think that year there might have been a bit, bit more emphasis from Nike on fielding some good teams um so when i found out who the rest of the team was and that i was actually picked for it it was it was pretty cool you know looking at your career um you know throughout the whole thing you, you kind of balance the the 800 and the 1500 you know getting getting some good races in, in both every season which which kind of makes me think that the the 1200 was was kind of your distance was that uh, was that the thought when when you guys were picking legs and stuff you're like no this this 1200 this is made for me yeah, I, I think the thousand would have been my main event if, there, if it was a real distance. Um, I just don't have quite enough speed for the 800 against those guys. Um, but aerobically, like, man, once you go past 1,500 a mile with me, it goes downhill pretty fast. So um, that was never my strong suit. So that, that in-between distance was definitely kind of my strong suit. Oh, man, definitely, definitely. 
Hey, you know, taking a look at uh, at your career and stuff, and, and you talked about you know going to to Penn State and how special running the the Penn relays was. Um, you know, after after school, you had PBs that that were that were really good. But like it, it must have been, you know, pretty big chance to take to to end up going pro to, you know, drop everything and, and kind of put, you know, the rest of your life on on hold and stuff. What what was the thought behind after leaving Penn State and going pro? Uh, it was mostly. I mean, I just felt like at Penn State I'd had a few pretty big injuries. Um, I just didn't feel like I had gotten as much out of my running as I should have while I was there um I just knew there was there was more that I hadn't shown yet and so I wanted to give that a shot um because I mean if you don't do it then when are you you're not ever going to have a chance to go back and redo it and I didn't want to regret not having tried so yeah I what well, another another interesting decision uh and you know we talked a little bit off the record uh, was you know uh, a couple of years, you know, after that, you decided to, to move back to Toronto and base some of your training out of Toronto for a little while. Um, you know, that that's where you're originally from. Uh, I imagine that had a lot to play into the decision and stuff. But but why Toronto? As as a mid-distance runner, um, you know, you kind of have your, have your pick of places. Why, why that place? Uh, I mean, part of it, yeah, was because of where I was from. And then also, it was uh, just going back to Phoenix to be with Bill Stevens, who coached me my last year of high school. Um, I don't know. I'm a little out of touch with the Canadian scene now, but I really, I mean, I think he's probably underrated as far as he's probably one of the best all-around coaches in the country, I think. Um, so just having the chance to go back and work with him, um, that was the main reason why I chose to do that. Um, Cause he, he took me in high school in one year, I think it was from three fifty six in the 15 to three forty eight, and then one fifty three to one forty nine. Hmm. <laughs> so it was like, man, why don't, why don't I go back and kind of see where we can go with this post collegially where there's more focus and I'm a little more mature as an athlete. So you know, from from there in you know 2010 2011, you uh, you joined Win Gamitrovsky's group, who I think I think people are pretty familiar with him. But uh, you know, for for those who who aren't aware, you know, he he coached uh, you know he coached Reed, he coached uh, he coached Nate Brennan, he coached uh, he coached uh, Maddie Hughes for a little while. Uh, Ellerton, know, just, yeah, Ellerton, uh, Jessica Furlan. Uh, for uh, he's still coaching Jesus yeah I mean like that's that's a pretty crazy roster a lot of those guys would have been there when you made that switch over uh you know what was it what was that group like to to jump into workouts with those people yeah that was that was part of the reason for the switch was you know after a few years uh with Stevens and everything I was doing at that point it was starting to be a lot of solo training um and it was you know, it's it's fine for a while, but it starts to, the grind gets a little tougher when you're doing it solo. Um, and so I, I was friends with Ellerton ahead of time and then knew Nate as well, obviously, uh, from his time at Michigan and competing against each other in high school. So knowing that those guys were going there and everything and that was the type of group we were going to have was a huge draw to just be able to go work out with those guys and run with them every day and everything. So, 
um, yeah, having a group like that to train with day in and day out is uh, certainly a benefit. What was it like for uh, for a Penn State guy to to be training so closely to uh, to such you know <laughs> Michigan powerhouses? Yeah, you know we just we got at each other about that sometimes with the rivalry, but they they normally got the best of me while I was at Penn State, so I didn't really have much to fire back with. <laughs> Oh man, you know those uh, those are some some pretty high powered coaches. You know, you, you've you've mentioned how uh, you know like they affected your career and stuff. You, you're a coach now. You're you're coaching in Arizona. Um, what what do you bring from those guys? You know what what are you bringing forward into into the workouts and into the the general coaching now? Yeah, um, I I like to think that kind of. Even my, my coach at Penn State, Harry Groves, is a USATF Hall of Fame coach as well. So kind of just a mix. I like to think I combine sort of what I like from each of them. Um, like Stevens, definitely some of his workouts were just there more volume than what Wynn had. Um, and so I think those ones are really good. I think Wynn's side of it had some, like, for race specific stuff, I thought his workouts were really good in terms of like, uh, just peaking and things like that. And then, so I just like to kind of feel like I've gotten a mix of everything. Um, and then kind of adjusted it to my own style and what I think works best with, uh, cause I'm coaching high school here. So it's not quite as high level, uh, athletes, but just an adjustment to what works best with them. So, yeah, I mean, you mentioned that there's a lot of differences in the coaching styles and, and stuff like that. What what do you think you like? What kind of workouts? Perhaps not what coach worked best, but you know what what workouts do you think uh, worked best? Was was it? Uh, what did you best respond to? Uh, well, it's hard. It's kind of it's kind of that argument where what were should you work on your weaknesses or should you work more on your strengths? Um, I think, I think the long it it depended where I was. I think, and partly in my career as well. Um, I think you get to a point when you're older, you where you don't necessarily need to do as many workouts because um, your body can't recover from it the same way as it used to. Um, but I did I did pretty well off uh, a lot. Like I think everyone likes to do a lot of speed with younger athletes. They want to get faster and faster, but the more I do, the more I realize just developing that aerobic system is so much more beneficial. Um, and when I look at my best years competing, I think, uh, the years that I had a really good winter base under me and that led into a, a really good spring where we, we definitely stayed with the strength more. So, you know, I I would highly suggest it because because the website's still up. But runlincoln.com, dot com. Um, you were you were a pretty prolific blog writer for a little while, um, and uh, like I was telling you, I was I was really enjoying reading it and stuff. You you know, was the was the thought ever there after you're done your career to you know publish it or you know write a, a memoir? Just because. Um, I I really thought that you approached things with with kind of an interesting uh, point of view. Uh, man. Well, I appreciate the kind words about it. I, man, I haven't even, 
looked at that blog in so long. Like, I think last year some of the kids on my team found it and brought it up, and I was like, oh, man, I forgot that that's <laughs> still around. Um, I don't know. I never, I don't, I never even uh, thought about doing something like that. I'm not sure. So I, I don't know if my writing would really stand up to something like that, but, <laughs> yeah. He, you know, you're obviously pretty involved in, in track and field still, um, so so you can't miss. You know, there, there's all sorts of, you know, different mediums of, of people, you know, documenting their career, and, and it's, I would say that it's a, it's a large part of, you know, sponsorship deals that are, that are being inked now as well, too. Is that something that you would have, you know, expanded into, into different mediums and that sort of stuff. And, you know, I would still say that was fairly kind of, kind of the early days of, you know, athletes blogging about, about their experiences and stuff. What was the motivation behind it? Now the motivation with that one was just, I had made a big move across the country away from family and all my friends back on the East coast. Um, just want to kind of keep them in the loop of what was going on and, a bit of daily some stuff where it was just daily life um what was going on and if there was anything like you know sponsorship like if obviously if it was getting a lot of hits or something like that where you could maybe get some sponsors on there or something it would have been an added benefit but that wasn't really necessarily the the reason for it i think it's changed a lot yet in the last you know five or six years in terms of really putting yourself out there on social media to get recognized and, and get sponsors that way. Um, it's definitely, definitely changed a lot since, since I stopped. So, you know, your last, your last blog post was in, in 2012. And if, if you look on your IAAF profile page, uh, you know, last result shown was 2013. It looks like, uh, you kind of moved on from, from the sport at that point. Uh, you know, what, what was kind of the reason there? I guess it was, you know, the end of the, the, the famous quadrennial and, and, and that sort of stuff. But, you know, what, what was the decision like that, um, you know, going into that? Yeah, that, that was tough. Um, I mean, obviously 2012 was kind of, I, I, I'm sure every athlete really, their ultimate goal in track and field is to make an Olympic team. Um, and so I fell short of that, which is, I mean, that was tough to take, um, and I knew I wasn't going to continue running to 2016. Uh, that was just going to stretch too far. Um, so, But I wasn't quite finished yet, so that next year, I still wanted to give it another shot and see how things would go. Um, but it just, my, my Achilles was really bad that year. Um, I think that I opened up, actually, in the 800. That's probably the last result the 800 in Ponce, maybe. I think I opened with a 148.57 um, in, like, May, which I was really happy with, um, especially because I hadn't focused on it too much. And then after that, it seemed like everything was just kind of holding on, like not doing much training, um, just trying to maintain and, and stay as healthy as I could. I think I ran... I think I ran nationals that year and it was probably really ugly. Um, I don't think I had trained much at all. Um, and so after nationals of 2013, it was like, man, I need to just get healthy here. I, I had surgery actually, um, 
think when was it in September maybe or August I flew to San Francisco to get a sports hernia surgery because um, the guy the guy there is one of the few in the country that specialized in it um, and so I ended up he he ended up having to detach my adductor from the bone and then reattach a spot next to it where there's more blood flow so it would heal better um, and after that it was just kind of like yeah, I don't know about trying to come back from this. So, um, yeah, you're in you're in a bit of a a weird place when you're suddenly done with what you've been doing for the last you know ten, twelve years of your life, and kind of like what's next now. So, I knew I always wanted to to coach. Luckily, and so I just started looking around uh, the Phoenix area because I was still living there. Um, just try to find a job at a high school so that's what happened yeah you know that's um that's interesting you know you mentioned how you know it's it's completely you know a completely different type of training which of course it would be you know those those are people just starting out in the sport versus you know you training at a at a super high level does do you find that it kind of fills that void still though of uh you know the competitive void uh you know taking on these kids a little bit it definitely it definitely helped, I think, a lot with the transition. Um, had I not had that at all, it would have been a little tougher. So definitely, definitely helps, uh, helps with that. Um, it's not, not quite the same, obviously, but it's sort of a different sense of fulfillment when you see them hitting PBs or PRs. Um, it's, a, it's a good feeling in a different way. Hi, you know, I I talked to uh, to Nate Brennan um, when he was retiring. I guess that that would have been, you know, just this this last year. And you know, he was he was describing to me how, you know, he he's at this place now where he can get so much joy watching one of his athletes, you know, break five minutes in the mile, uh, you know, which yeah. is uh, absurd for someone like, like Nate who could probably turn, you know, five minute miles like, like nothing, uh, you know, yeah. like that, that must be such an odd experience for someone like yourself who, who also went sub four in the mile and, and watching these kids improve like that. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's definitely an adjustment. Um, you know, like, because I'm the head coach for the boys and the girls, so I've got girls that are just breaking six minutes for the first time, you know, um, and you're get, you get it, have to get excited for them breaking six when it's like, shoot, last year I was doing that 12 times in a row in a long <laughs> run, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's definitely uh, a mental adjustment in terms of expectations, Um but at the same time, uh, there it's not always about sort of like they're working. Some of them are working extremely hard. They're just not as talented, um, and so you have to learn. I mean, you do learn to respect that and understand that just because they can't run as fast, they're still working extremely hard to achieve the goals that are realistic for them. You know, like he, you mentioned how you spent so many years in the in the sport. You know, both as as a coach and as an athlete, you've you've had a lot of accolades as a, as a coach as well too. But you have that that bronze medal at the Francophone Games in the, in the fifteen hundred. Uh, you know, you have that national record as well too that that we've been talking about. Looking looking back at the at the career, you know, what are the accolades that that really stand out to you? Like, what what means the most to you now? Oh, that's um. 
that bronze medal at Francophone is definitely pretty high up. Just standing on the podium there was pretty watching your flag go up is a pretty surreal experience. Um, not like a world championship or Olympics, but it was still uh, pretty cool to do. At just any time, putting on the Canadian jersey is an honor, so getting to do that is up there. Uh, trying to, the, the national that DMR is definitely a highlight. I still I can still remember that race pretty well. Actually, I I've watched the end of that probably like thirty times, and I still think like watching the video that Nate holds off the Kenyan guy, but they got us by 0.01. I'm <laughs> not very, I still am a little bitter about that. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, the medal's nice. Just the national teams are just such a good experience. So um, we actually have the, I think I still have the four by eight record indoors and outdoors, which we set with Phoenix. Um so those are those are pretty cool as well. You know, um, in twenty nineteen, where where's your own personal running at? You know, are, are you still doing workouts? You know, what what's the weekly huh. mileage like? My mileage is probably about. Well, it depends on the time of year. Um, sometimes I'll hit maybe ten miles a week, and then I'll go for three months with zero miles a week. So um, <laughs> it's pretty pretty low. Uh, it's just not a lot of time. Sometimes, I, like in the off season, I'll try to get some runs in with the team. Um, but once we're in season and stuff, I just I don't like to run with them because I just don't feel like I can watch and see what's going on nearly as well if I'm in there. So I like to kind of step back and just hold the watch and look what's going on. Um, so it's not. Uh, it's not very, very much anymore. Um, I think was it last year they convinced me to run, uh, a mile. That was probably three years ago. They convinced me to get on the track and do a mile. Um, and then last year or two years ago, they, I wouldn't do a mile, but I did an 800. And so I ran, this was, I mean, running, you know, I don't think I had run more than once a week for, four or five months when I ran the eight and I ran 204. So I was fairly happy with it, but I'm not in uh like if you try to ask me to go eight miles at six minute pace, there's no way that's happening. <laughs> well, can consider it, uh, you know, a year warning now, gather up the boys, gather up Christopher Reed, Brandon, uh, gather up who you need to, or can we expect to see you at the, at the terminal mile cup uh, next year, you know, this time? <laughs> Uh, that would be pretty cool, actually. I, th- I honestly think if we all had a year of training, we'd probably run pretty well. <laughs> all right, man. I, uh, I'm calling up the engravers right now. Tell them, tell them to get those, uh, you know, tell them to get those names all warmed up in the in the etcher. We're <laughs> we're gonna make this happen. We're gonna make this happen. Man, I, I really appreciate you, uh, you know, taking the time to, to chat today. It's uh, it, it was really cool to, to hear about, uh, you know, that, that time in, in your career and stuff. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Now, if you're interested, go to runlinkin.com, go to the videos tab, and at the bottom of the page is the video for the race that we just talked about. Watch the move that Matt makes at 1,000 meters into his leg. It's really something special. Huge thanks to Matt for being on the show this week. Big ups to Tracky for their support. And so much thanks to you for listening. Hey, 
To make sure that you never miss an episode, we're available on tracky.ca, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Shoot us a subscribe, and while you're there, leave us a comment and a rating. It all helps, trust me. We hope to see you down at the New Balance Terminal Mile Cup this Monday in Hamilton. More details to follow on our Instagram and Twitter pages at the Terminal Mile. Again, thanks for listening. This has been the Terminal Mile. My name is Michael Rokas, and this has been a Tracky Radio production. <laughs>